So with a, anyone who goes through a traumatic or painful experience, it's like there's this opportunity for growth that can be so fast. Like I could work with clients who are in a horrible, painful public breakup or whatever it is, and in six months we could do like four years of therapy because of the lack of the defenses being up. It's getting to that point though, and then not pivoting in some really bad way. Yeah, yeah. It's staying in it, like you said, being like, okay, this blows, but I will persevere and I will learn something about myself. The big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The big silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence Podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go! Mental health is my wealth, the stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. The big silence. Thank you, everyone, for coming out this evening. If you could join us over into the common area. My name is James Nicholas Kinney. I'm very fortunate to be on the board of The Big Silence. And we're so grateful that you could join us in the Big Apple, the city that is New York. Don't worry, this is a friendly affair, a community-driven event, so go ahead, come on in. It takes a lot in New York City just to get from one place to another, so we're gonna enter into the room. And the way that we're gonna do that is we're gonna breathe in through our nose, okay? We're going to do that for a four count, and after we inhale with our nose, we're going to hold it for a four count. Then we're going to exhale through our nose as well. And I'm going to take you from the number four to the number eight. Does that sound good? Okay, now you have a few options during the breathing exercise. You can put both feet on the ground. You can put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly. And join us in the practice. So... Here we go. I'll cue you now in three, two, one. And again, five. Exhale for five. Inhale for six. Hold for six. Exhale for six. 
Inhale for seven. Hold for seven. Exhale for seven. And last one, inhale for eight. Hold for eight. Exhale for eight. Now let me get just a big, ah, ah, we're all here now, not yesterday and not tomorrow. Okay, now we're going to meditate for one minute. Meditation is not about judgment, but it is about being in the moment that you are in. So we're going to choose one word as an intention for what we want to get out of this evening. The word can be anything that's special to you. And twice within this minute, I'm going to bring you back because the mind was designed to explore, and that's okay, because this isn't the judging mind, it is the mind that is tapping in to your word. Okay, so does everyone have a word that's special to them? Mine is the big silence, sorry, I cheated. <laughs> that's three words. And that's three too, sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm new at I this. Love, I, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love love. Love, love is Karina's word. Okay, so for one minute, Let's drop in with your breathing, focused on your intention for tonight. Come back to your word. Come back to your word. Now you can wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes, gently open your eyes. <sighs> Thank you so much for coming tonight. So I'd like to introduce this evening's panel, uh, Mr. Dale Moss. If you'd like to come to the stage, professional athlete, global ambassador for Special Olympics, a good friend of Karina's. Thanks for being here, man. I appreciate you. Terry Cole, psychologist, author. And if you heard her episode on the podcast, it's phenomenal. If you haven't heard it, make sure to check it out. And last but not least, the person that we're here to celebrate and join in fellowship tonight, Karina Don, founder of The Big Silence, New York Times bestselling author. Her memoir is now out and available. If you haven't picked up a copy, please do so. This morning, she was with Jewel on MTV for mental health. She's been touring around the country, going city by city, making a difference and making a change. And I got some new information today that something with Oprah is coming out soon. So be on the lookout for that. With no further ado, please enjoy your panel. Welcome. I'll speak of a few moments ahead of time. Um, mental health is such an important topic for me, as you all know, if you're here. Um, my mom was diagnosed uh, paranoid schizophrenic when I was a little girl, and I have survived. And I think this is what the book is about, and also with my company, Tone It Up, that is why Tone It Up even became what it is today, because I was like, what made me my happiest? 
moving my body, meditating, all of this. It's all about movement and everything. And so we are here just celebrating a book. And um, I don't know, I, I get so flustered, sorry. <laughs> Terry, my, my therapist. <laughs> Help me. You're but doing no. great. You're doing great. <laughs> but I'm so grateful to share this message as we're on this journey for the entire month of May for Mental Health Awareness Month and to be able to have a resource for those who are going through it or may not realize they're going through it, that we are not alone. We are here together. And what a beautiful gift to even be here in this room together. And I'll let Dale and Terry, let's talk. Like, and, and anyone in this room, I'm just going to say, we're so open to anything and everything. It doesn't have to just be about mental health. It's, it's great to talk about all of these things because I think, you know, and I know personally, like there's a lot of things that I've held in for a very, very, very long time. And when you don't feel like you can share or get understanding, it becomes sometimes debilitating. Indeed, that is true. So where do you want to start? I would love for you to lead. Sure. I mean, I, I just... Well, let's just talk about that. mental wellness and let's yeah. talk about what, why there is such a block to it and why this book is so incredibly important is that in telling your story, you've normalized the telling of the story. And instead of being so shame-based, and you went through it, of course, and if you've read the book, if you haven't, you must, the number of people that you've already saved. Like, think about the, the positive ripple is so profound. And you doing what you do and having the profile that you have, if people don't, you were a professional football player, you were on The Bachelorette, so you being open to talking about mental health also, that's a whole other category of people who you are being like, hey, this is cool. Like, take care of yourself. It's okay to do so. But I have questions for you. Your experience in growing up with a mom who was a paranoid schizophrenic, and part of the whole thing of her being undiagnosed for so long. So your reality, because your parents, right, these are the people who we go, oh, they're the dictators of reality. This yeah. must be what it is. And you were talking on um, the Almost 30 podcast to our pals about how your mother would tell you things that your father was involved with a demonic cult and that he was possessed and there were all of these things that you were keeping in your mind. So how did, at that time, what did you use? How did that impact your imagination? How did that impact your ability to make the distinction between what is real and what is fantasy? Sorry, that's deep. I really wanted to know, though. When I was reading the book, I was like, I'm writing notes down. <laughs> it has taken me up to this point in my life to realize, and even with my sister Rachel, we have these discussions. What is real? What is not? And we still, to this day, have to figure it out. But as a 12-year-old Karina, this little girl, a mom comes to me and says, your dad is the devil. I'm like, OK, dad's the devil. And this is a heavy conversation, but also I want to be very light in it at the same time. But 
when you're and at that age, and we're talking about 1992, it's a heavy conversation. You don't get it. So then I turned against my dad. Of course. Because yeah. he was the devil, I mean, yeah, obviously. Clearly. <laughs> um, and that sent me into my own depression and suicide attempt. And it was a really dark time. But it was back in the days when no one was talking about mental health. And I'm like, oh, my mom's diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. She's in a hospital. What does that even mean? Right, right. But you also had all these outlets, and I think that it's so important that you share about writing poetry and the things that you did to sort of channel this into something else and journaling, right? It sounds to me from what you shared that journaling really was something that kind of saved your life and that you saved every one of those friggin' journals. Oh, yeah. I still... I, I only I wish had the, I had saved all my journals. The, the amount, like, the places I've moved since I was 11, 12, 13, I have every journal and everything I've written. And that helped me with the book as well, because here's my story on paper. Wow, amazing. Okay, well, thank you for answering that. Yeah. I think we should move into questions about boundaries, questions about relationships, yeah. maybe. <clears throat> I'm Are you ready? Are you ready? I am, so I, I, I'm actually uh, giving a TED Talk on Saturday, and one of the key things is boundaries and how to maintain your identity uh, in momentous or traumatic moments by setting boundaries. So that, like, I was so excited to be a part of this panel specifically for that, but also to just to, to understand and hear perspective. But I really first want to hear that perspective. So can you please just share a little bit about what you're going to talk about in your TED Talk? Uh, the theme is momentous moments. And uh, I believe that the majority of the time, momentous moments are, are perceived as a positive experience. Uh, but, you know, mine starting off and the start to my TED Talk is actually talking about my first memory of a momentous moment being in prison. And I was eight years old. And in this moment, uh, I was visiting my father and I realized that, um, and my father struggled with heroin addiction for many years and continued to struggle uh, with drug and alcohol addictions for the first 20 years of my life. And every time I came up to see him, I realized that this was becoming too familiar. You know, as a child, I was getting too comfortable in those environments. And I couldn't help over a period of time, and by the way, I'm a junior, so I'm Baby Dale. Every time I would go in there, I would see myself, and I would think about all the people who would tell me you're gonna wind up just like your father when you grow up. And I also knew that um, it killed my father just as much for him to see me as it did for me to see him. And literally at the age of roughly eight, I told my mom, I'm, I'm not coming up here anymore. I can't be in this environment. And my dad would always tell me, regardless of the struggles I'm going through, you're not meant for this life. You're not meant to be in a place with the, uh, like this. And when I actually told him I was scared of shit, <laughs> um, he respected it. And, you know, for roughly 20 years of my life, my dad was in and out 
of jail or prison struggling with some of his addictions but if he was in there I, I never went and saw him and that was my first memory of setting up a boundary in the hardest and most difficult time and you know when I think about it it's actually I was able to do that because of the things that my parents told me weren't meant for me and that I was meant for more. So that's, that's kind of what it goes into. I talk about my relationship. I will open up to things that I've never spoken about um, in a respectful way, obviously, and then uh, transition you know, into reinventing yourself. And I think you have to really, really focus on boundaries whenever you're gonna reinvent yourself because we all have to do that at some phase in our life. Right. Um, yeah, I always thought I was going to become her. And maybe you had that emotion that you were going to become him. Yeah. And it's that overcoming. And if you struggle from a mental illness, it's fine. But it's the opening up about speaking about it and saying, it's okay. If you do struggle from it, there are resources. Right. And I always say, I think the higher powers that I don't have that because that was what made me think I would never amount to anything. And then I'm fucking doing it. Just saying. You are doing it right now, right here. Yeah. No, this, is, this is live. This is real. Yeah. Every moment. You know, Dale, I think that that story, though, that you shared, I just want to say about being that age there's always something so mind-blowing. You think your parents planted the seed yeah. of that not being for you, and yet you had the internal boundary strength, which is what we would call that, to make that decision being so torn. And you're right. I, w I also always talk about monumentous or peak mm -hmm. experiences, and people have a tendency to be like, oh, the day you get married. Oh wait, yeah, we're gonna get back to that too. But the day you get, you know, something, peak experience is a great thing that happens. And yet, really, some of the most important peak experiences in our lives are those painful ones. Mm -hmm. But so much props to your parents for planting those seeds and for your pops for saying, for respecting you, yeah. rather than shaming you or trying to humiliate you or guilting you. There's a million crappy things he could have done, yeah. but it doesn't sound like he did. No, and, and that's something that I, I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, a lot of people from the outside perspective would think that I had a terrible, traumatic childhood, and I had very, very traumatic moments. Um, but it, it's, it's sometimes hard to understand when you're younger, but I've understood a lot as I've gotten older. Um, but the one thing that was always certain, at least for me and our family, is that we had love support and if we made a mistake our we didn't have to run tell anyone we'd go right uh to our parents but also we were we grew up in an environment in a community where we didn't have anyone else we were a biracial family in south dakota my mom was disowned because of marriage we were in a small community and me my sisters no like we couldn't even spend time at our friends homes because they thought we were terrible kids and they automatically aligned us because my dad was in prison and all of these things and all those things we never even really paid attention they didn't we didn't give them hospice and we really had no other option but to just stay tight with the family 
and we saw and understood way too many things at a young age probably but you know as i've gotten older at least we understood our parents and it wasn't until i got older where my relationship with my father got better because for so long i was trying to be a man that was doing everything opposite of him because i never wanted to be like him and forgiveness and understanding is a very liberating thing and even talking about things like this uh, which you mentioned earlier and talking about your experiences it, it really allows it, it's just freeing so liberating that's such a beautiful share what i find amazing about your family system yes there was a need because it wasn't really safe to sort of be outside of there but the lack of the family itself not shaming you right so like within the family system there was safety which is amazing because something grew for you to be able to become who you've become you know so do we want to talk about relationships i have never talked about anything within the relationship yeah this is an exclusive right now right here yeah yeah yeah. and obviously i I checked with dale ahead of time and we're here on the tour talking about the book hey the book but also just (laughs) I just love having in-depth conversations and opening up, and that's what the big silence is, whether it's this or that, or relationships, or, you know, just being honest about things. It's all a part of mental wellness, though, yeah. right? It's our relational health, those things that happen, all of those things impact who we become and what are the things that we're going to do in our lives. So I have a question for you, because this experience that you had on The Bachelorette, mm-hmm is a very public experience. And in my own professional life, I've had a lot of high profile clients and it's very specific. It's not the same if you are not doing this in front of zillions of people, like where you have a million and 17 strangers weighing in. So can you just share a little bit of how was the experience for you? So it had never happened again before in the history of this franchise that the bachelorette would choose to stop the show because she found the one that she wanted and then they brought another person up is that correct is that kind of how it happened yeah yeah that's pretty that's pretty accurate okay so how was that for you so going into the show i i will honestly say that i was the most secure i have ever been in my life um you know career was good family life was good and i had taken some time in the previous years to really do a deep dive into to myself and focus on myself and uh when i when i committed to the show it was like kind of a last minute thing but i realized in life i was doing the coolest shit i could have ever imagined but i didn't have anybody to share it with i couldn't share it with my family because they didn't understand and i was always gone and traveling on the road and at the end of the day i i I always say this i experience love throughout my life and it might be different than a lot of people experience but you know i do believe that there's power in it um and when i went on the show I made a commitment that I was going to do and be myself as much as possible. I wasn't going to get in drama. Like I'm not, I'm a very risk averse person. I'm not trying to get into a lot of like chaos. And a big reason is too, I experienced that throughout my life growing up. I don't deal with like yelling. It's, it triggers me. Right. But the experience was great. You know, within it's pretty special. Like, because 
I think about it from a relationship standpoint. I was very, very numb to people for a long time. I'm an expert at putting up walls. And uh, it took a lot of work for me to allow some of those to come down. And in that time, uh, you know, I met someone who made me feel comfortable to do that, even if it was a short span. Mm -hmm. And the things that I connected with helped allow me to feel feelings that I had never felt. So I feel as if everything that came across, it was very genuine and authentic. And this isn't a PR answer. This is, <laughs> you know, the real deal Holyfield. And, you know, I fell in love with, you know, parts of a person, but I also fell in love with the feeling of, like feeling emotion again. And because I hadn't for so long. So it's like there was a thawing for you yep. of that. The putting up walls is from a psychological perspective, because you probably had the same, a similar experience in your life of, you know, there's a certain unsafeness about others, especially being mixed race in friggin' North Dakota, my God. There's something about them coming down. So now it's learning skills that nobody teaches us how to do when we're in a family. It's the same exact thing with boundaries where we're just reacting kind of as opposed to actively choosing what it is that we want to do in our relationships or with other people. And this, that moment, that must be a power pivot in your life. So can you, are those walls sort of still down? Do you still want to feel? Yeah, uh, honestly, that experience and whatever happened within the relationship, um, my walls are down. And I've learned so much. And I, I, I do believe that, you know, God put me in a position such as that because I needed that level of, I don't know if it was, like I, I went through a pretty uh, public and dramatic breakup. And you know that's something that I won't dive into because there's a lot of details within it, but I needed to feel that hurt. Yeah. You know, someone or something or projection at my character to that level because I protected it so long. And I think I've become very, very good at it. And I'm very, very proud of who I am. And I've also, been very adamant about that throughout my entire life because of everything that's been projected mm -hmm. on my family and especially in relationships and I set a boundary a long time ago that if anything started trickling into my personal life and affecting my family and my personal life I, I, I couldn't allow it and I couldn't be a part of it but I was at the lowest point after the breakup that I had ever been and for me in that moment, I was like, what, what the fuck else do I have to lose? Yeah. And I had so much growth. And my, I wasn't afraid of anything anymore. What is anymore. the low point to you? <clears throat> Your lowest point. And how did you come up? Or if you have come up, I don't know. I'll let Terry. The, the lowest point <laughs> was when I felt ashamed and I felt embarrassed. And not for myself, but I felt like my family feeling it. I felt everyone in the world and everyone that knew me was going through this ride. And it wasn't accurate. And I felt like I couldn't speak. I felt like I was trapped because of 
my position as a man, my race in society, and because of the position in a show that I was on. And also, from a character standpoint, what good would it do to try to create more? So I just sat in it. And I do believe that was the right and appropriate thing to do. But my will was f tested. I had to beg my family to not get involved in these situations. And they, they, they respected it. But that was the lowest moment. Because if we relate this back to when I talked about my dad in prison, my biggest fear is being trapped, controlled, leveraged, and feeling as if I have to be told when and what and how it, I can and can't do something. And also, and I don't know, like, just from what I've seen growing up and through sports, is being so like mindful of what I say, but like accused of something that I didn't do mm -hmm. by someone else and not be able to do anything about it. Right, and not being believed. You've made a really good point though that I wanna just bring it back to for a sec about when you were like on your knees and you were like, what the fuck else do I have to lose basically? But the growth, the exponential growth that you talked about this is something that happens when we have traumatic or dramatic experiences. It's like our regular defense mechanisms, because we're sort of on our knees, are not there. So with a, anyone who goes through a traumatic or painful experience, it's like there's this opportunity for growth that can be so fast. Like I could work with clients who are in a horrible, painful public breakup or whatever it is, and in six months we could do like four years of therapy because of the lack of the defenses being up. And again, it, it's getting to that point though, and then not pivoting in some really bad way. Yeah, yeah. It's staying in it, like you said, being like, okay, this blows, but I will persevere and I will learn something about myself. And yet that strong sense of self was still there and you, you did it. Like you were able to not let it define you. Yeah, yeah. 100%, like life has been and a lot of things have accelerated, but they, it's on the same trajectory as they've always been because like, that's who I am, and I've known that. Even if you lose it, and I've lost it at times, but it's like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. So good, thank you so much for sharing that. Did yeah. you guys love all of that? I mean, just nicest. And Gail, when you say you're happiest, that you've ever been, what is happiness to you? What is joy? What is um, the ultimate? For me, it's, it's certainty, but it's also peace. Mm -hmm. I think about like business, life, career, whatever else. Like, it, you know, don't get me wrong, I get like ramped up. But I feel very, very certain, and I, I feel a, a sense of calm that I haven't felt in a very, very long time. And for me, that's, that's happiness, because I believe like that's the state that I like to be at. That's how I'm geared. Yeah, Bobby, husband Bobby. Hey. Give it up for Bobby! I, I mentioned something the other day about living in greatness, and Bobby, while he's driving the bus, he's like, what does greatness mean? I said, it's not financial, 
it's a state of love and being grateful for being alive, being around people, having live events. Um, bye, Pomeranians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like greatness. It's just like living your life and your dream and allowing yourself to have that pure potentiality. But what you're describing is being here now. Yeah. Right? It's like surrendering to whatever the moment is and being present. Because life isn't just the peak positive experiences, right? It's all the friggin' experiences. Yeah. It's, it's good, it's bad. But those are the things that make it worth experiencing. And I think that in my own younger life, when I could stop trying to control the shit out of everything so much, not just people, all the people, all the things, all the circumstances, over-functioning, over-giving, over-doing, again, all with this codependent need to um, impact the outcome. You know, with codependency, it really is just a covert or an overt desire to control things, right? Because there's a feeling of being unsafe. Mm -hmm. If I leave it to other people, only I can do it. And yet, in being able to just surrender, which is what it sounds like in your description and in your description, too. Just got to give it up. Let the ego drop. Let the ego drop. And then it's a little bit better. Can I bring in James Kenny? Yes, please. (laughs) Please give it up for our panelists. That was incredible, right? I got some music for y'all. I just want to give a big shout out to Karina and the movement that she's building. I was over her house uh, around Thanksgiving time. And uh, we met, and I just said, you know what? She needs a theme song. She's so dope. She needs a theme song. So I haven't been doing music for like 10 or 15 years until I was inspired by Karina and her movement. So thank you, Karina. Yeah, then like a week later, he's like, I wrote you a theme song. I was like, what? (laughs) All right, here we go. DJ Mark LaRush. Speaking of theme songs, let's go New York City. One life, one moment, one time. I love that we got babies in the building. Tone it up, let's go. The big silence, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. The big silence, breathe in, breathe out. Yeah, breathe in, breathe out. The big silence, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. The big silence, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Mental health is my wealth, there's press up on the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth in the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day when I wake up, it's a blessing. Yeah, so breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Come on. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like 
subscribe and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love. The type of love that will defeat anxiety. The type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in to be who you already are. The big silence.